Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I want to say thank you guys for supporting the podcast last week. I was a little nervous because both episodes I dropped last week weren't your typical hardcore episodes. We had Gina, who plays in Sheer, indie band, and then we had Garrett and Brooke for some Disney news. So I really appreciate you guys still tuning in and supporting the podcast. But this week, we return to, I guess, the norm. Uh, we got two dudes from an awesome band out of Tampa called Point of Contact. They just recently dropped a LP called Commitment, and that shit is so good. It literally makes me proud to be straight edge still, just knowing that bands like that are still coming around and putting out awesome music like that. It's so insane. And I love what Florida's doing with their hardcore scene. It's super awesome when you look at like the grand scheme of things, like all the bands from every part of Florida. It's super awesome. So I was really stoked to be able to talk to Garrett and Jose from Point of Contact. Super awesome dudes. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. So without further ado, welcome Garrett and Jose to the podcast. Yo, I'm so happy we're able to do this. I uh, apologize, Garrett, for the mix-up with the um, timing last weekend. It kind of just threw everything off. No worries. No worries. Okay, so um, you guys, uh, Garrett and Jose, you guys play in a band called Point of Contact? Correct, correct. Can you talk about how Point of Contact got together? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Garrett, actually, uh, even though I'm talking, I'll throw it over to you. Because uh, Garrett is actually more of the uh, spearhead for getting uh, POC together. Yeah, uh, uh, we've been a band for like a little bit over a year, and essentially we just wanted to do a band to kind of like get our friends back together. I I was the one who contacted everyone individually and kind of just pitched like an ideal lineup of like, oh, what do you think about this person playing bass, this person playing drums, and so on. Everybody was down. We just wanted to do a straight edge band. Uh, just for basically for fun, and there wasn't really one in the Tampa area at the time, so that's kind of how we got together. I was the one who kind of hit everyone up, and we were all hanging out in some you know shape, way, shape, or form at the time anyway. So we just kind of had a couple practices and and went from there. We wrote uh, the drummer Steve actually wrote the first riff for the first song on guitar, um, and for Gone, and then. We just practiced that song a bunch, and then we built off of that, kind of talked about what we wanted to sound like, and that that's kind of the, the early days as far as the first couple of months of deciding to do the band. We didn't have a name for a while. We just kind of practiced and, and knew we wanted to be a straight-edge band. So at the time, were uh, you guys been in bands before Point of Contact? Uh, yeah, we 
like I had done, I had probably done more bands, like as far as having more bands under my belt than the other members. Joss had had done a couple of local bands. I had like gone and seen his bands uh, before, like hardcore bands. And Steve had also Steve's the youngest one out of all of us, and he had done a couple of bands. I had gone to kind of support new younger kids getting into the scene. So I'd watched a few of his his earlier bands. Um, and then I, I did, I had been at bands and toured before, so, uh, probably Josh and I were the ones that had kind of the most experience. And then for the, for the most part, it was Matt and Jose's first band. I mean, they had done like little, little projects for fun, but this was the first like real putting out music bands for everybody. Does that pretty much cover it, Jose? Yeah, that pretty much covers it. Um, and it's some good lore. My first band was called Excador X, a more straight edge japanese influenced band uh so yeah that was our that was my first band but this was my first like serious band and why was it important for you guys to start a straight edge band um at least when garrett told me about it i think it was more important for just at the time um when we created it it just was like there was it was it was necessary at least in our scene um to get a straight edge band going to really have something that like we really stood behind, we really, uh, you know, that we were, that we wanted to do. Um, I think it's just like at, at that time, there wasn't really, at least in my area, instead of like complaining and talking about, you know, how you wish kids could do this, you wish someone else would do this, you know, start it yourself and, and see where it takes you and, and be that kind of, um, difference that you want to make and not even like a crazy social justice way, but just like, Hey, I think these bands could be better. Okay. Let's make one that we think is better. So that's what, you know, at least for me. Yeah. Damn. I mean, I always, I think about how cool it would be to be in a band, but I couldn't imagine myself being in one without my friends. So I'm always like trying to push them to pick up their instruments again and try, uh, try to start something cool. Yeah, that's the best way to do it right there. Yeah. So, um, maybe, uh, at some point in the future we'll, we'll get serious about it and uh, put out some cool music. Yeah, yeah I know. Oh, go ahead, Garrett. Uh, I was just going to say, I know that's like a big thing that's happening right now. I feel like I've seen a lot of bands pop up that are coming out of like, uh, just cities that otherwise you hadn't really seen a whole lot of hardcore from. Um, and that's like something that I think is pretty cool about, um, and one of the reasons that we're like so down to do not to like get ahead of ourselves, but the reason that we're like cool putting out the record, uh, with, with Pleasure Case is just because I feel like a lot of times bands that otherwise like, like a band like Construct, like kind of just from, you know, the middle of the U S like, it, it's cool that those guys are like doing a band and like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just naive, but I don't know of any other bands like that from the area that they're from. Uh, and same thing with like, even in North Carolina, like there's a, there's a ton of, uh, there's a ton of music coming out of North Carolina, punk music and like heavier hardcore and, and, uh, metal and stuff, but like magnitude and search for purpose and, and the bands like that, uh, were kind of like, I would say one of the first of their kind in, in years and years and years to do the kind of music they were doing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's always cool whenever people from different areas kind of start doing their own thing, even if no one else is doing it. Uh, and like you were saying, just picking up an instrument and getting it done. Same with, uh, um, like that new band that just came out, like, I think two days ago or something like that. Um, 
Their name is slipping my mind right now, but it's that kid Matthew that does Words of Fire fanzine. He like started a band, and he like is basically just doing it with the three other people in his town that even care, you know, remotely about hardcore. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely like that, and for Plegia Case to kind of curate like the roster of bands that it has, it, to me is just, like super awesome. Just because for for a label based out of Florida. And for them to be able to put out like such a cool list of bands uh, that like has me excited. And that's why I've wanted to have people on from the area. And I just want to show as much support as I can, because for people that aren't aware of like, you know, the the less popular um, scenes for hardcore, like I I just want to help push that and show people around the world that there's more hardcore everywhere that's actually good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there it like obviously scenes like up in and don't get me wrong, these are great scenes, but like the scene in you know DC and New York, like that like Northeast area is. This is always going to have attention on it because that's where kind of hardcore, like American hardcore started. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, there's a lot of places that it kind of maybe didn't catch on at first, but like Florida and like uh, kind of like the Midwest area of the U.S. or even like. Uh, I know, like, right now, Malaysia has, like, an insanely large, like, young hardcore scene, a bunch of kids getting into straight edge, like, and same with, like, Japan and everything. Like, again, those are all places that have had hardcore for years and years and years, but maybe people haven't been paying attention to it as much as they've been paying attention to other cities. So it's it's always good to uh, kind of focus in on the less talked about areas and broaden your horizons, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely get that. And you mentioned earlier that one of your members, you used to go out and see his bands because he was like a newer, younger kid. So for you to ask him to be in point of contact, like things like that are like what I think are awesome. And stuff like, you know, you doing that for that kid is going to like, you know, help keep this thing alive. Word, yeah. Anger driven minds. Hell yeah. So you guys release undefeated uh, it was may 12 2018 yeah that sounds right okay sorry this is all based off of your band camp information okay okay, but i i was curious about the the song hatred sting can you just um, talk about that and what it means to you guys i mean gary you can you can take that one too man that's more of a just to give you, give everyone here a uh, uh, just a quick uh, insight into kind of contact writing. I mean, uh, a lot of times it's uh, you know we all come up with ideas, or mostly I can start up with a good idea, and then I'm clearly not the uh, master eloquent uh, writer of HXC. Um, so Garrett actually comes up with a lot of good one-liners. So um, this is a, a great one for him. I mean, when we were in the recording studio doing it with our friend Ethan Murphy. Um, he actually came up with this one-liner like pretty much the minute we we're about to record it, and uh, I think it's like one of the the most like remember memorable uh, of lines from from POC at least on Undefeated for sure. Yeah, Hatred Sing is. Uh, I mean, that that song is like I don't know how much we'll play it moving forward just because it's not on commitment. <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, it's uh, I, I really like that song. It's probably it's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite songs, off of Undefeated. Um, 
Yeah, it was just a lot of the other songs on Undefeated, if not all of them, are all like very like all of them just have to do with being straight edge. Like I'm trying going through them. Still drug free, six fifteen. Gone, uh, gone is kind of like a little bit of this and that, but yeah, hatred sting like has a couple lines about like you know xing up and stuff like that just to stay with the vibe of the band. But I think that that's one of the songs that we kind of deviated a little bit outside of the lyrics and how they were on the other songs um, because it was more just about like talking about your feelings, (laughs) I guess, versus talking about not doing drugs. So. I mean, the major line in the song that what like clicked that Jose's talking about is uh, "I believe in forgiveness, but I choose revenge." And I think a lot. I mean, that's just a line that anyone can pretty much identify with. That you might feel one way and act another. So I think that's a it's it's pretty self-explanatory in that regard. But yeah, it's a cool song. I know a lot of people who are. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot of people. I know a couple of people who aren't straight edge who are into the band, which obviously we're cool with. Um, really like that song because they can kind of tap in and identify with it a little bit more than the songs that are just about being drug free. It's a cool song. Hatred Sting too is because uh, um, the drummer Steve, he and I had talked about doing a band um, before Point of Contact, like a more of like a metal uh, influence band. I wanted to call it Sting of Hatred. So Hatred Sting was just kind of like the name that, you know, flipped around. <laughs> Okay, and yeah. I've never seen you guys live before, so um, I hope you guys can um, sneak that into the set list at FYA because I'm actually traveling out for that in January. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah, FYA should be sick. Our set was our set was a lot of fun last year. It was our first time playing. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what we're doing for the set list this year, but. We're definitely open to uh, open to suggestions. Okay, well, um, I will get to um, some some of my other favorite songs that are on commitment. But I, I have a friend. Um, his name's uh, also Garrett, which is funny. Um, and he's not straight edge, and he and like he hangs out with like um, I, I guess like our group of friends. And I think he might be the only one that isn't straight edge. Like I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Yeah, pretty sure he's the only one that's not straight edge, and when we listen to point of contact, he's always um, like asking me, he's like, dude, is it cool if I listen to point of contact? And I'm just like, I don't care. Like you're not straight edge. Like I don't mind. Like if you like the band, that's cool. But like, I'm not going to get mad at you if you listen to point of contact and you're not straight edge. Yeah. You can listen to us, man. (laughs) Point of contact for everybody, man. (laughs) Anyone can listen to it, bro. Just don't call yourself straight edge and not be straight edge. There you go. All right. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. And after you guys put out Undefeated, um, or was it after? Okay, okay. I'm getting mixed up with the dates. Um, you guys put out, would you guys call it like a promo, still loyal to our scene? Yeah, still loyal came out afterwards. And, down memory lane, man. And when you guys put out those two songs, did you know at that moment that it was going to be a part of um, commitment or was that something you guys were still like working on at the time? Yeah, we knew it was going to be on the record. Yeah, we, we knew those, those two songs were going to be on there. I mean, I can even remember when we were writing them in, uh, in like our little practice space, um, shout out circle studios. Um, but yeah, I even remember those and, and literally thinking like, not tooting the own horn there, but just thinking, wow, like 
I can't wait for people to hear this. Like I, this is something I'm proud about. And, you know, it, it was first music and then we came up with the lyrics and everything like that. So I knew it was, uh, you know, that record was, was going to go from there. And did Ethan Murphy record um, all of commitment? No, that's John Howard. Okay. Cause I saw that yeah. he recorded the, the still loyal to our scene, but uh, it doesn't say who recorded commitment. So I was just curious about that. Oh yeah. It was John Howard, man. He, uh, he lives in Gainesville. Um, he has like a little home studio set up. He also recorded like envision magnitude. I think he did eco strike as well. We told him right off the bat, though, like, yo, we like those bands, but we don't want to sound anything like them. <laughs> so, uh, so he was real cool and understanding about that. Up until then, but, yeah, we had recorded everything with Ethan. That's our good friend here in Tampa. I do I do a, another band called Diffuse with Ethan. But, uh, yeah, Ethan was helping us out kind of on a um, – we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants getting that stuff recorded, I think, and we weren't real, like, uh, you know – we just wanted to record it with our friends prefer like first and foremost, but that's something that we could kind of do in a day, you know, whereas the LP took like a couple trips and a full weekend type thing, uh, going up to Gainesville. Gainesville is about for those who aren't from Florida, it's like a couple hours North from where we are in Tampa. Whereas, uh, Ethan records out in a place called Dade city, which is about 30 or 40 minutes from, from where we live. Um, so still in the Tampa Bay area, I would say. So, yeah, we we drove a little extra. We recorded with someone who had a, a little bit more uh, experience under their belt, I would say. I think Ethan would agree. Um, but Ethan actually helped record. I had to do some additional vocals, and I couldn't make it back up to Gainesville. And Ethan came through and recorded the extra vocals that I had to do. So he's he's always been looking out for us, and he was real happy, I think, that we took that extra step for the LP, too. And that John Howard guy, he used to play in Casey Jones. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah, he did. Okay, yeah, I, I had. Um, uh, wow, why am I drawing a blank right now? I had Lennon on the podcast. Wow, I'm does like the biggest brain fart ever. I had Lennon on the podcast, and he mentioned that um, he played in Casey Jones. John Howard uh, that I'm talking about and th that uh, always is like a soft spot for me because like back in like 2006 I, I used to love Casey Jones and I, I think I got to see them like twice before they broke up yeah yeah I was I was around during that time frame I saw like all those up two straight edge bands like Rhinoceros and Casey Jones and Thick as Blood well not Thick as Blood later on but <clears throat> Excuse me, but yeah, yeah, that's it was cool recording with him. He had a bunch of Casey Jones flyers up around the house. Yeah, John, John is the man though. Like just like quickly to put it, like not only is he like really good at recording everything, but he he wants the best out of you. And I think that's what Definitely. made the record just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's it makes the record just a little bit better because you know you can always if you're like. You know, just trying to get through it, and and obviously we definitely were like trying to get through it pretty fast. Um, you know, he would stop us at points and be like, "Hey, you guys can do this way better." And we'd be like, "Oh, take a step back," and then say, "Okay, yeah, maybe we can do it a lot better." And then we, you know, try two or three times, and then we'd be like, "Okay, that's the sound we want." So yeah. he's the man, dude. Like he'll he'll make your record literally sound amazing. And that's nice to have somebody work with you in that way. And instead of just kind of just trying to get through the process, they actually want you guys to put out your best effort. 
Yeah, he was he he was like as as involved as we were. Like he was definitely not on another planet or anything. He was right there with us, like trying to get the record done, and uh, you know make make sure it was done right. And like Jose said, he would stop right away and be like, Let's "Try that again." If it didn't sound exactly right, he doesn't sugarcoat it, man. He says he'll tell yeah. you it's shit or not. <laughs> yeah, if it was a good idea, he would be like, "That's really cool." If we had like stupid like outlandish ideas that didn't vibe with the record he would say nah you guys shouldn't do that but at the same time it's not like he was telling us what to do or like try like he it's still entirely our band you know but he was just kind of tossing in his expertise where it was definitely needed so it was really cool i would definitely record with him again or suggest anyone that's trying to record a, a fresh sounding hardcore record that doesn't just uh rip off of some 80s or 90s record um, yeah, you know, if someone wants it to actually sound like it came out in 2019, I'd say that's your that's your guy. So uh, there was a big gap between the still loyal to our scene and commitment. Why did it take so long for you guys to come out with the LP? Oh, we got full time job. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't want to rush it. We don't want to. We didn't want it to sound like something that came out super super fast and. We took our time with it, and yeah, we work a lot. A lot yeah, a lot. And, and I would just say we're also not on anybody else's, like, uh, you know, we're not on any, running on anybody else's clock, so we're kind of doing it as we want to do it. And, you know, if we want to take a year or two or whatever to put out the next thing, we could. If we want to buckle down and do it, do it in a few months, we could do that too. So it's been real flexible as far as uh, – how how long it takes for us to put out the music so it okay. did take a while though <laughs> yeah definitely and if i'm going to be honest i i'd seen your guys's name floated around on flyers and stuff but never really dove in and listened to you guys and i started paying attention when it was like the day before commitment came out and lennon he i'm pretty sure it was on twitter he he tweeted that um commitment was uh, going to be like the like the best thing that he put out for pyc and for me reading that coming from lennon i was like okay that's a pretty bold statement uh because of all the other stuff that he had already put out so i made it a point to check you guys out when the record dropped because I wanted to see if he was just trying to hype it up or if he actually meant what he said. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I definitely talked about this on the podcast with him. I had gotten off work and I was driving to my buddy's apartment. I, I like stopped at like a Portillo's for food, but like on that drive, I listened to the record and I, it just made me feel like super proud to be straight edge because I've been straight edge for a long time and you know there's like millions maybe not millions but there's like a lot of straight edge bands and records that just you know kind of pass through and I just like was driving and listening to your guys' record and just the, the sound and oh God, I, I just remember just getting pumped up and thinking like, holy shit, this is why I'm still straight edge for shit like this. Like obviously like I'm so proud to you know be drug free. I hate drinking, smoking, but just being able to be a part of a, a community and having bands like point of contact, put out commitment. It just got me super excited again. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, just going off quickly on that, you know, not to go on a tangent or anything, but I think the biggest thing, at least for me, was um, why it also took so long was the the lyrics mean a lot to us as a band, and that was one of the main things I wanted to not only have, like, you know, musically sounding like 
good music, but have lyrics that people can relate to, have lyrics that people can pile up to. You know, I miss those, that type, that part of hardcore, which I, you know, I don't really see too much of anymore. And that's what we try to make as like a thing of our band of like, that's something where you can listen to it. It's easy to, to relate to. It's easy to sing along to, but it's also not like lyrics that are, are dumb or anything. We try to make it, you know, something a little different. So that's really what took a long time as well uh, with making the record. Yeah. And I can definitely appreciate that coming from you guys just because reading the lyrics uh, to all your songs, uh, I can definitely tell that you guys put some effort into the writing and it definitely, it's definitely cool to actually read and be able to sing along to cool songs with actual meaning. Yeah. thousand percent. I mean, we would literally spend hours and I mean, hours you know going from work you know a lot of us work you know eight in the morning till five thirty, and then we'll you know we go right over to the house where you know um josh matt and garrett live um and then we'd be there for hours into the night you know trying to everyone putting input in and and getting the right lyrics and making the lyrics not only sound good but you know make it real you know, does everyone like this? Does everyone believe in that? Would would we be proud to say that? Not just, you know, filler lyrics. And I often find myself trying to figure out which track is actually my favorite. Because I right now I, I would say that Solemn Promise is my favorite record. But then I, I have to remember there's tracks like Word is Bond, Loyalty. And it's just, just hard for me to like settle on one is like my favorite. <laughs> that's a good thing <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just like I, I just love listening to it but um, speaking of Solemn Promise can you talk about like the, the meaning behind that song yeah I mean Garrett do you want me to take it or yeah you can, you can talk about it yeah cool um, so Solemn Promise actually is uh, a song that I wrote um, or at least tried to write you know a good amount of it as um so a lot of us still, you know, like have like re- our own religious beliefs and it's not a straight edge song necessarily. It's more so, of, you know, the same old kind of in hardcore whenever someone says anything about religion and, you know, they want to put your, put it as like a negative thing. I mean, like that's whatever, but, uh, that song is really about, you know, if you have a belief stand by your belief and, you know, don't let someone else's belief kind of sway you to change yours. So, you know, you have one chance. You know, and when you think different, you know, it just makes life a lot cooler <laughs> instead of just, you know, falling into the same trap of thinking, oh, well, if I believe something that a lot of people don't believe, then, oh, this is stupid or whack or whatever. Like, no, nah, if you believe it, fucking believe it and keep it, keep to it. That's awesome. I definitely love that song and I can't wait to hear it live. And I was also curious about the cover of the record. It's that uh, to me, it, it could be interpreted as like somebody trying to like save somebody, but I'm not sure like if that's actually the case. Gary, this is you on this one. Oh yeah, sure. I'll answer this question. Uh, the cover of the record is Josh and Jose. I mean, as far as like who it actually is, so our guitar player and Jose, who, the singer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so. It's, I mean, that's who it literally is, but as far as, like, what it represents, I guess you could say, we just wanted something that was, like, very strikingly obvious, 
<laughs> I guess you could say, like, we wanted you to, like, my big thing as someone who, like, I would say I spend a decent amount of time, like, going to record stores, flipping through records, uh, like, especially when I'm out of town and stuff. Uh, I wanted it to be one of those records that you, like, when you're flipping through, you see it and you're like, oh, that's a straight edge record. Like, you know right away. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it type thing. So that was a big thing for me is that I wanted to have an X up fist in some way on the cover. Um, you know, a big example for me would be a record like Uniform Choice, Screaming for Change. Uh, obviously, a record like Use It Today, Break Down the Walls. Any of those, like, really iconic 80s straight edge records, you know right away just by looking at the cover of the record that it's going to be a straight edge record. Um, so that was, that was kind of the vibe that we were going for. Um, but I've heard people say that it's two straight edge people helping each other. And it's, it's, I mean, obviously in reality, that's what it was. It was a picture of two people who are straight edge, but as far as like what it's supposed to represent, it's supposed to be like open to interpretation, essentially. Like that's the reason that you see that the one fist is X'd up and that you can't see the other one because like at the end of the day, kind of you were even asking about like, oh, my friend wasn't sure if he could listen to it or whatever. Like Point of Contact is a band that is for everyone. So that's kind of like the idea of that record cover. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter if that other person is like straight edge or not. Like we're kind of all in this together. Obviously, if we're all in like this hardcore scene, like realistically, there's not that many of us, you know, like that are in the hardcore in, in the grand scheme of things of people that are in the world. So like we shouldn't just be like bickering over who's straight edge or who's not, or, Oh, I'm with you if you're straight edge and I'm against you if you're not like, we're all into hardcore. We're all into like living different, living outside of like what everyone has deemed as like, okay. You know, even though people that are within the hardcore scene that still like do some of that stuff, like drink and do drugs and go to clubs and stuff like that. That might not be what I do, but you know, when it comes down to it, that person sees a lot of things about the world the same way that I see them just from the simple fact of being involved in the same community. So, yeah, that's kind of a long way of answering it, but essentially I just wanted it to be, uh, I mean, we all, we all collaborated and talked about what we wanted the record cover to look like, but, uh, we ultimately just landed on it wanting to be something strikingly straight edge and, uh, like instantly recognizable basically. So, yeah, and you guys definitely did a good job of that because that's like you know you can spot that anywhere just because of the colors you guys chose and it definitely sticks out with the X up fist. So I'm definitely into that. Yeah, that was a big thing for me, man. The, I mean, that's like all I think all the coolest logos, the Schism Records logo, Action Pack logo, like anything that anything that has an X up fist on it to me looks cool. Even something like the um, uh, that band Aware from Connecticut has like the thinking man that kind of looks like a uh, Roman bust who's got the X on his fist. Um, yeah, there's a ton of stuff that, to me, the stuff that I remember most uh, whenever I'm thinking about, like, iconic straight-edge looking stuff, it's all that, like, 80s, just X'd up fist uh, before everything. Um, so that, as far as the look of the band, and, like, earlier on, like, with Undefeated and, like, the cassette layout and the insert and the shirts that we were doing with it like everything was real football themed because that was kind of like the initial i don't know vibe of the band we wanted it to just be recognizable like the x on the football helmet and stuff and i'm so happy with the way all that stuff looks but we didn't want to like i mean we're not like tenure fight or something like that where that's going to be the cover of everything you know or like we're not like like uh 
you know, just bands that have like football on everything or hockey on everything. Like that wasn't what we ultimately wanted to keep rolling with. So we just wanted it to look straight edge, like plain and simple. For sure. And when the record initially dropped, do you guys have any idea that it would get that kind of reaction? Because I remember that day I saw that record being reposted all over Twitter, all over Instagram. Like I, I couldn't escape it. Yeah, I mean, at least for for me, sorry, Garrett. Um, Go ahead. Just yeah, just for me. I mean, I didn't think uh, of any. I didn't have any like hopes or anything of it. I just wish that like the only hope I had was that kids could see it that wouldn't have seen us before we tried going on tour you know with magnitude right before that and um you know just trying to do different little things here but just having a little bit more of a broader reach and then you know people listening to the music and getting to hear it if they wanted to hear it so i was uh i was happy that you know different kids could listen to it from all different scenes and you know get their take their opinion on it if they liked it or not you know yeah i was happy with how people reacted to it uh Is that it? Sorry. I was going to be cut off. Oh, sorry. Hold on. I, yo, I was actually on your website earlier today, and I think it started just playing a podcast from it. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, I was like, yo, I was bugged out for a second. I heard your voice twice. Uh, sorry, I was playing off off of my phone. That's all uh, yeah, good. I was, I was happy with how the record was received. I don't have a Twitter or anything, so I don't know what. I mean, I'm I, some, you know. Friends of mine showed me that people were sharing it and everything, which is cool. Uh, and it seems like people liked it on Instagram. I think the real test of how are people actually going to react to the record will be like the release show and the, the little string of shows we're playing after that. Um, just because November 2nd, Tampa, get going. Get yeah. There. So, I mean, that's going to be like the real life, like the people like the record, you know? It's, it's, it's easy to take two seconds and. I mean, like I said, I really appreciate everyone sharing it and checking it out online, but I know I know how easy it is to do that, too. <laughs> so hopefully people come out to the shows and sing along. That's my main uh, my main hope. And have you guys played a show since the record came out? No, not yet. Wow. And is that by design? Oh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And you guys mentioned November 2nd, you guys are playing your um, commitment record release show with Magnitude, Three Knee Deep, See the Pain, Be All, End All, and Burning Strong. Can you talk about how that lineup came together? Uh, Jose booked the show, so yeah. if you want to talk about Jose. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, so uh, one of the like, other, I've only booked a handful of shows at this point. This is actually on, I think, like second or third one I've ever done. Um just like most of the people on there, man, is like we know them and are friends with them. I'm pretty sure like with everybody in that, like that's playing uh, that show, like we all have known them for a very long time. And, and obviously their bands are, are awesome and we, we enjoy them and care about them. So just thought it was awesome. Like especially like Magnitude was able to come out like from North Carolina and then 3 Knee Deep. We haven't been able to play. We played one show with them, but those have been like, you know, old heads and, and and everything like that for us. You know, some of them, I mean, Justin, I was like, been in the scene forever, you know, Dalton, Ty, Travis, all of them. So it's awesome that they're getting to play. And then everybody else, like Seed, Be All End All, literally everybody playing. Burning Strong's coming from Pensacola. And I think the biggest thing, too, was I tried to get, at least had it where 
everywhere from Florida was coming. Like we have North Florida with Burning Strong, South Tam- or South uh, Florida, and and then you know Tampa as well, so Central. So a little bit of everywhere from Florida, and then obviously magnitude from out of state, but uh, a little where a little bit of everything from from everywhere Florida and and just trying to make that unity again. I mean, there used to be shows all the time where you know Tallahassee, Jacksonville, you know um, Pensacola, South Florida, Tampa would all play shows. So just trying to make it like that again, and you know put anything aside as like one scene like literally we need to just have it have it again where like it's all about the music man like you know at the end of the day it's all about hardcore like we're not here to be fucking popular people like we're just here because we love hardcore and we love playing you know straight up songs and we love listening to like other types of music so that's what you know that whole lineup is is with and i definitely respect that trying to bring the state together because is florida like to me has a, a good crop of bands going on right now. And I've even talked about how like in like my earlier years of hardcore, I never realized how important Florida was for me, um, for like ULG records. And, um, I used to listen to like in due time, seven star, like those bands, like a lot, like growing yeah. up. So yeah. I, I think it's really awesome that you uh, like understand that, um, uh, you got to kind of put on for like the bigger picture and you guys got to try to bring this whole state together not just like your individual scene. Yeah, I have to, I mean, if not, it, it just, if not, it just goes back to like everyone having their own like scene and it's just weird, you know, and like Garrett was saying earlier, there's only so many people in hardcore, like at the end of the day, like it doesn't make any sense for us not to like, you know, at least try to all work together as a unit and not, you know, just be one, one team, one, like, once again, one scene, like there's no reason to be this like weird, like, Oh, there's this part of Florida and this part of Florida, like Florida's caught up to like four different places. It's this kind of stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I talked about this, um, in the past, like I've only been to Florida, um, for Disney world. So I'm really excited to actually travel to Florida in January for something other than Disney. I mean, Disney world's cool. You should just do that again. Disney's dope. Um, well, I'm actually going, um, at the end of the, uh, the month. Um, but I'll be oh, back in yeah. January for FYA. Yeah, Muppet vision 3d is straight up the best part about Disney. <laughs> Wow, that that's cool that you guys um, like Disney. Is is that something that you guys do um, a couple times a year, or is it like pretty rare that you guys get down there? Oh, we go over there a good bit. <laughs> you could say. <laughs> oh boy. Right, well, it sounds like you guys get like there. A, a good... I'm cool with Disney, man. Disney Contemporary Resort is a is a wonderful place. Yeah, I back that. Um, We've we've been one time as a band all together, and I think that was cool. But like, oh yeah, I go to Disney. yeah, yeah, I go to Disney with my chick, and I like Disney. It's cool. Universal Studios is chill too. So, and how long is that drive from Tampa? Oh, it's like an hour. Yeah, an hour and a half for Universal, hour for Disney. Okay, that's not bad. I'm I've actually never been to universal in florida like I've, I've been to like the city walk but i've never actually been inside the, the park oh nice great, man. Man. enjoy it how yeah. horror night have a great time. It, horror nice is that so something you guys have done this bro. year oh yeah i was there last night 
Oh, wow. What, 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 uh, what were some of the highlights from Horror Nights for you? Oh, man. I've been a couple of times. I'm a Freeville Fear uh, pass holder. But last night in particular was especially frightening. It was open until 2 a.m. At 1.55 a.m., I went through Nightingale's Blood Pit, one of the uh, gladiator-themed houses in the back. And it was straight-up horrifying, man. There was nobody in the house. Uh, I don't know how it is over in Cali, but here in Orlando, it's usually, usually like wall-to-wall people uh, at the theme park. And it was just five minutes before Halloween Horror Nights closed last night, so it was completely empty. And uh, all fog machines were firing on all cylinders. And I couldn't, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And I was horrified, dude. I was walking through. I almost had to – I've never been like – I've been surprised at Halloween Horror Nights before, but I've never been legitimately scared. And I was super scared. The scare actors were getting bold, bro. They were just, like, following me around, uh, <laughs> jumping out in front of me. There was one time I turned a corner, and at normally where they're, like, hiding to scare, as soon as I turned the corner, there was just a scare actor waiting at the end of the hallway for me. And there was no one in front of me, no one behind me. It was horrifying, dude. Super scary. Damn. That sounds intense. Uh, that kind of reminds me of, uh, have you ever seen that movie called Hellfest? Uh, no, I, I, you know, I actually think I went to the movie theaters to see Hellfest and I may have walked out, but I, I'm familiar <laughs> with it. Okay. It's not like, you know, it's not like a, you know, God tier, uh, horror film, but I just like the premise and the way that they have like their mazes set up, how there's like a, um, there's like a fairy you have to take to like the scarier part of the park where you can actually get touched and it's like a little more intense. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have seen. I did see that whole movie, and they're like, it's like a group of like four friends or something. It's a kind of the classic, like they get picked off one by one. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that movie. It's cool. Okay, yeah, that's just like my dream—not to like get killed, but to like be able to go to like a <laughs> spot like that that's like a little more intense because. I've gone to um, like because like we have like out here like we have like not scary farm. Then we also have horror nights, yeah. and it's fun. I, I enjoy the experience, but it gets so packed, and they just kind of stuff people in the maze, and you kind of can just yeah. see the the jump scares happening just because like they have the whole maze filled with people, and it's not really like a chance for you to get surprised. Yeah, that's normally how it is at Halloween horror nights, but not at one fifty five a.m., dude. That's when it gets real spooky. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that experience you described sounds like super cool, and that's something that I'd want to experience. Just kind of you be able to kind of go through something like alone. Yeah, we have uh, we have a bunch of them in the area. Like we have uh, besides like the major ones like Halloween Horror Nights, and then like you know uh, Howl's Scream at Bush Gardens. There's like uh, one in the city that I'm originally from, Plant City, called Sir Henry's Haunted Trail. And they have, like, lights off on it, houses where they just send you through with a flashlight. Um, and then there's another one called Screamageddon in so- somewhere in the Tampa area. And that's another one that's, like, where they can touch you and stuff if you opt in for it. I haven't been to that one yet, but we have a lot of them in the, you know, some- something about this swamp water down here. We got plenty <laughs> of scary attractions. Yeah, out here, besides, like, the major theme parks, there are, um, like, ones where you can, like, sign waivers and they'll, like, waterboard you and do, like, crazy stuff like that. Like, I, I've, my friends have been one where they, like, were, like, spitting blood at them and they, like, put a plastic bag over his head and, like, mock like they were going to kill him. Our bass player, Matt P., would definitely like that. Oh, yeah. he's Dude, he was just talking to me about it today. He was 
Hey, he what was a like psycho, dude. He was saying that he wanted to do it, but, but he was like, <laughs> he was he didn't know how he would react. Like if he would be like, oh, I'm getting my money's worth, or if he'd be like, oh, this is not right. Like, you know, and then like spaz out and want to fight the people. So, but oh he would definitely God. he's definitely flirting with the idea of getting uh, bagged up. You know. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely sounds intense, but I definitely love this time of year because I, I like Halloween. I, I don't like live my life by, like, by Halloween, but I, I think it's like a cool uh, time of the year and just be able to you know celebrate by like watching Halloween theme movies and going to stuff like Horror Nights is definitely awesome. Yeah, it's great. Holidays rule. Are you I'm super into that stuff, Jose? Uh, I mean, I'm not as like super, super into it. Um, like, uh, but I will like. Uh, I love like a good scare. It's like a uh, horror flick. Um, our the other uh, actually the bass player, a three D Travis, used to show me some really, really, really scary like French movies that were like horror themed. It was like super dope. So I love Halloween. Halloween, Halloween is awesome. And I'm not sure how it is out in Florida, but out here in California, it's not normal anymore for people in neighborhoods to decorate their houses. So like whenever I drive by and see like the random house that still gets into it, it gets me excited. Is it like that out in Florida? Do people still decorate like their houses for Halloween? Yeah, I would say a little bit. Yeah, nothing crazy, but definitely some, you know, getting in the spirit of it. Okay, well, I'm glad it's not completely lost around the world because I remember growing up and just driving through the neighborhood, like just like coming home from somewhere at night with like my parents just like staring out the window and like seeing every house just try to like outdo each other with like the craziest decorations. It was always fun. Yeah, we're keeping the spirit alive. Okay. Um, well, that's awesome. I definitely at some point I I have to experience Universal in Florida just because everybody talks about how much better it is than California and there are a couple rides that I would like to experience like that um, Hulk roller coaster or like the Spider-Man ride because we don't have that out here oh yeah the Spider-Man ride is top tier man you gotta check it out and is it like a crazy roller coaster or like what kind of ride is it? Uh, it's like a uh, 3D motion ride. So you're in like a ride vehicle and then there's 3D and practical effects happening around you. So there's like, you know, fire shooting out at you and water spraying on you. But also a 3D screen and you're in a moving vehicle. It's not a roller coaster, but okay. it's like a mix. Sounds like uh, do you guys have the Transformers ride out there? Uh yeah, it's it's a better version of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, cuz uh, Transformers like I'm not like the biggest fan of the franchise, but I think the ride's pretty cool. So if Spider-Man's anything like that, I, I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, it's better. The ride cues like a da- the Daily Bugle. It's awesome. Okay, interesting. Um I I, I know uh Garrett uh, Lennon mentioned to me that you're into comic books. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I read comics. Are you like more into like modern stuff, Silver Age, or like what's the type of stuff you like to read? Uh, I read a little bit of everything. I'm a, I'm Spider Man is like my favorite character, so I read a lot of uh, Silver Age Spider Man. I'm reading some Silver Age Silver Surfer stuff right now. 
Um, but I keep up with modern stuff too. I like, I'm reading absolute carnage, uh, silver surfer black. I like more characters than just Spider-Man and silver Surfer. I'm reading Immortal Hulk. Uh, yeah, I read DC stuff too. I read image stuff too. I'm reading coffin bound. I'm reading paper girls right now. I just finished like saga. Um, yeah, I read a lot. I read everything. I read old stuff, new stuff. I just like reading. I read books too. So, Okay. I, I, for me, I, I'm like more of like, m- like reading into like the modern stuff, the silver yeah. age and like golden age stuff. I, I just never really, um, went back and read a lot of that stuff. It's like anything, man. I don't listen to uh, agnostic front victim and pain every day, but it's where it all started. You know, same thing with silver <laughs> age and golden age comics. It's, I don't read them every day, but it's where it started. They're, they're cool to read. Uh, just to get the history and everything, but yeah, I, I read a lot of modern stuff. What modern stuff are you reading? Uh, I'm, I'm a huge Daredevil guy, so uh, reading okay, like cool. current uh, Chip Zdarsky run. Uh, just yeah, I've, I've been keeping up with like the House of X, Power of X. So that just ended. Yeah, I just finished that. Okay, and then um, I'm trying to catch up in uh, Captain Marvel because I'm a fan of the writer Kelly Thompson, and the book has been like okay, like nothing like that I would like recommend for people, but um, it's about to get pretty crazy because she's like you know turning evil or or whatever. So I'm I'm pretty interested to see like where they go with that because she's like um, in the solicitation for issue 13, I think it was. They mentioned that she ends up uh, killing an Avenger, so. I, I, I'm, kind of, I'm just really curious to see where they're going to try to take this character because if I'm going to be honest, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I only picked it up because of the writer. Yeah, that's how I've been with uh, Kate. I was reading Kate's Venom stuff and I'm trying to read some of the other titles that he did because Venom's so sick. But Yeah, I haven't read Captain Marvel. I've been trying to keep up with like a bunch of stuff and I did keep up with House and Powers of X, but I don't know. That wasn't really my my speed of a comic, I guess. I read it all, but I wasn't crazy about it. I'm trying to read Guardians. Okay. Stuff coming out right now. Yeah, that uh, Donny Cates guy. I, I feel like he's definitely been like coming on strong with Marvel because I I saw that he just yeah. got a uh, he's gonna be writing Thor after Jason Aaron's done with it. Yeah. So I'm pretty curious to see how that's gonna go. Yeah, I'm trying to get out of the single issues game uh, by the end of the year, though, because it's just it costs too much money. So I'm going to turn into a trade paperback in the Omni kind of guy and just have a bunch of stuff months and months after it comes out. That's really interesting. Like, I, I feel like I know a lot of people who are going that route. Like, and I don't know if it's just because like, uh, I'm, I'm getting older and maybe it's like the people that I surround myself with. But like, I, I know a lot of people that are going that route. Yeah, it's just pieces of paper, you know. And it's, and it's yeah, and for me, it's it's so bad because like, um, like the like outside of comic books, like the other stuff that I do collect, like movies, video games, like I do it all digital. And the yeah. only reason why I haven't gone that route with comic books is because like my friends and I were like real big fans of going to conventions, and I like meeting my favorite writers and artists. And I just feel like if I went digital and didn't have like a physical copy, uh, going to the conventions and having to pick something up like day of or like week of to have them signed just like wouldn't really interest me. I kind of just like having like the full run. 
Yeah, I like having full runs of stuff, but then what I find happens is it just sits in a box, and it's not like I go back and read it. If I do go back and read it, I read it digitally. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, like, eh, I'm, not, I'm not too, like, staunch on one way or another. Everything should be digital. Everything should be free. So, for everything. You can, anyone listening can download Commitment for free, pirate it if you can. I don't even know if there's a link to pirate it, but everything digital should be free. Buy a record, but download the music. Oh, wow. That's an interesting take. Why do you think everything digital should be free? Uh, it's just, uh, you know, all content should be free. <laughs> it's uh, all digital content. <laughs> if you want something digital, you know, go ahead, and, go ahead and buy the book or if you like a movie, buy it. It's cool to... You know, if you really uh, are invested in something, if you really like some, that's the way I look at it. If I like something enough to want to support it, I'm going to spend the money and get it. But if I just want to check something out, I shouldn't have to pay my hard-earned money for that. It should be free. I agree, brother. Interesting. Um, make, make it all free. <laughs> I remember So the, the day um, Commitment came out, I went to... Uh, I finally got to my buddy's apartment after listening to the record um, off of Spotify and got to his apartment and my friends uh, hadn't listened to the record yet. So I was like, okay, I was like, maybe it's on YouTube. And then there's some guy called um, El Guapo TV. He he already, uh, he was on it. He had the the record already uploaded and ready, like ready to go on YouTube. Have you guys heard of him before? Living legend, El Guapo, the South American digital pirate. (laughs) Yeah. No, he probably bought the record. Uh, yeah, he uploads a bunch of stuff. I think that's sick. It should all be free. It's, it's one step awesome. ahead of the game. Yeah. It's cool. He's he's using it for the right way, man. Like, if you just want to upload music so other people can listen to it, I mean, I, to be honest, I wasn't a big Spotify guy for until, like, literally last week. I mean, I was still <laughs> using YouTube for everything. Oh, wow. What made you jump to Spotify? Because I feel like that's like um, last week that's pretty late in the game. Spotify and like Apple Music and stuff like that's been pretty prominent for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm very late to the game on a lot of things. I'm 25, but I have the body or have the mindset of a 45 year old. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Lennon, Lennon made me a cool playlist like uh, about a couple of weeks ago. And uh, just started listening to that a lot. And then I was like, all right, so I can use this uh, for other stuff. So and then, like, now I'm using Spotify a lot. But I still go back to, to the good old roots, man. You just got to go on the full full album. Full album yeah, YouTube, Blogspot. Dude, I, I, don't have, uh, I don't have Spotify or Apple Music. I just straight up illegally download. Well, I guess I don't legally download music. I just listen to it on – there's nothing wrong with listening to it on YouTube. It's there, so. Just listen to stuff on YouTube. So all, to all the pirates that used Mediafire to upload a lot of the zip files back in the day, thank you, because that's how I got my hardcore back in Oh, yeah, rest in peace, dude. I used to, that was how I got everything with your Mediafire, and then there was that big crash. Dude, there's a ton of... I, pro, I have them on, like, an external hard drive, but there was, like, a million Crucial Chaos, uh, that New York uh, radio show from, like, the 80s and 90s that were all... There was, like, a master post had all of them in one place and it's gone dude it's it's in a it's in the digital graveyard so if anybody wants grim you gotta come get my my hard drive my external hard drive dang i i remember i i used to be on that like i I would be constantly searching for like you know bands records getting leaked and i would always use like the blog spots to get stuff off like media fire because 
I never was into collecting records. Like I, I have a couple records, a couple records at like home, but it was just not something that I really got into. So with these like streaming services, cause like once like MySpace died, I was like, man, like where can I listen to like music and not have to download everything. So, um, Bandcamp became a thing. And then I had Apple music and then I switched to Spotify. So I'm like pretty thankful for the streaming services because it does make it a little easier for me. And I don't mind forking over, um, actually, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I don't pay for Spotify. I'm, I'm on a family plan. So shout out to my buddy, Nate, who pays for Damn. it. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I used to pay, but then he offered to put me on. So I, I was like, okay, I, I can't say no to like a free subscription, but I do Yo, like Nate, put me on. <laughs> yeah. Put me on there, bro. Come on. All right. The load. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'll, I'll see, I, I'm going to see him tomorrow. I'll, I'll run it by him. But, um, I, do like the convenience it's cool and but there are still some times where like records won't be on those services so we have to go to um youtube or the band's band camp because it's not available on those streaming services so that um it, how it's how else am i supposed to listen to clinch fist you know like welcome to memphis or just like roaches not on, not on spotify sire no, i gotta go on <laughs> i gotta go on youtube for that yo I, um, there's like a old, like metalcore band from like, I, I think they're from Sacramento, um, called like Elijah and I couldn't find the record anywhere. Yo, like that's they, what I'm talking yeah. about. Now yeah. you're speaking my language, dude. Okay. <laughs> so that play, dude, that plays in the point of contact band literally 24 seven. No joke. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Solid. I, I, I love that band. Um, but yeah, the, their first record masochist isn't on Spotify. So I was like, okay, I, I gotta f try to find like a copy of the records. So I can just download it. So I, I, I just have it on my computer. That's so sick. Garrett, what was the video that we watched the other day in, in the house? Yeah, I'm not kidding. We watched the live video of that band, like within the past four days. I don't know. It's yeah. if you look up, uh, it actually says how to pronounce the band name because the band everyone says it differently. But it's like Alicia or Al Alicia or Alicia. But yeah, we just watched the live video of them where they're. Uh, it's one of my favorite hardcore videos of all time. I literally put it up there with outbursts in the living room. It's uh, they're playing like a high school gymnasium, and yeah, it's awesome. They're just playing like it looks like a basketball court. And it's mad unity, man. Boys and girls, blacks and whites, all up front, singing along to Alicia, you know? It's all yeah. about. Yeah. You know, I, like, in their heyday, I, I knew about them. Um, and I never really listened to them until I saw them in Las Vegas. And I saw them at this place called Leathernecks. Um, my buddy Dustin put on the show. And when I saw them live, literally everybody in the room except for me was singing along and I'm like, holy shit, this is such a crazy experience. Singing along goes, singing along goes so much harder than pitting, honestly. Like yeah. piling up, it's so sick. Yeah. yeah so everyone's piling up. People, people are mocking hard too in the video, but the, people are piling up, singing like every word, jumping on each other's back. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. Great, yeah. great spirit alive in the Alicia Mosh fit. And you know, I, I, I think it's cool that um, you guys listen to that band. And I, I just don't know how they're just like one of those bands that still to this day, people like their music. Like it still actually holds up. Yeah. I haven't heard a whole ton of people 
like jumping on that train necessarily, but I do think personally, I think that that music holds up. That's not my bread and butter by any means, but it's something I think is cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, same here. It, that's not like the typical style that I would be into, but just, I, I don't know, just, yeah. that band just stuck out to me and I just like what they did. So, yeah, it's cool to have something to like, like something different, man. I mean, like for, you can't just listen to the same type of hardcore type of music. I mean, and it just gets kind of boring. Like might as well listen to something different and, you know, expand your musical horizons. Definitely. I always, uh, like to check out my uh, Spotify daily mixes and it, this past week it's been pretty shitty but they used to be on it and uh, it, it's just nice to um, you know listen to everything because for me I, I like all different types of music so it just depends on what I'm yeah. in the mood for like I, I think like when I'm not listening to other podcasts and not hardcore, like I'm just like doing like probably just like a nostalgia binge of just like a lot of old stuff that I'm like really into. Yeah. I mean, just going off of that, I mean, I, Garrett and I literally had this conversation the other day, but it was like, I mean, when I first got on the scene, like 2012, um, like around that time I was a senior in high school, but after that, like 2012, 2013, there was like a huge like grind core scene here. Um, so, I mean, there, we would literally like go to like grind shows and punk shows a lot and like, there wouldn't be any hardcore kids, but that like opens up your musical horizon a lot. Like, it's not just like crap punk music, you know, for, I mean, for the most part, usually like people in those like type of bands, like those like real actual D beat bands, like it's really good. So if anyone's listening, go to your local, uh, you know, like punk and grind show and you might actually like it. Yeah, I also think it made it, for our scene specifically, it made a huge difference at the time that Transitions Art Gallery was, like, open for shows specifically. So there's a lot of the places that we do shows at now, while it's great that we have a few of the venues that we do have, a lot of them are multi-purpose spaces. So there'll be, like, a coffee shop or, like, a tattoo shop or whatever during the day, um, you know, so... And then I'll have shows at night. And that was the cool thing about Transitions, whenever it was around, was that it was just a place that they had, for the most part, punk shows, hardcore shows, and, like, alternative music. And sometimes they would do art shows, actual art shows, like, you know, paintings and stuff as well. Um, but for the most part, it was just shows. So it would be like you would go to a show, and then to the left where the person was working door, there would always be a bunch of flyers for upcoming shows of all different kinds of genres. So it kind of took that traditional method of spreading the word about shows of standing outside the door and handing flyers to kids as they're leaving. Uh, instead of doing that, there was just always, if you were actually invested in coming out and checking out different shows, there was like this huge pile of flyers that you could just pick and choose from. And pick, I would pick up every single one and then I would just put them on my wall uh, whenever I was in high school and stuff. Or I actually had them all taped inside my closet. And I would just go inside my closet and look and like see what was coming up type thing. Um, or I would, uh, something else I would do whenever I was in high school, like playing in hardcore bands was I would print out a flyer for whatever show was coming up. And then I would put it in like my science binder or whatever. Like I would put it in the front. Uh, that way it was like, it was always like a talking point of like, if some kids in my school were like, Oh, what is that in your binder? Like, cause it was usually some sort of crazy, like picture, you know, if it was on a hardcore flyer. 
So it was a way to like tell people about shows and stuff. But it was hugely instrumental to be able to just go to the venue and find out about shows then and there. You didn't have to like follow some page online or know the right person. You could just go to the show and there was a ton of flyers for every genre coming up. So it's really cool whenever teams are able to have a venue like that. Uh, I know a place that we just played uh, on the tour with Magnitude was, I think it was called the DAP up in Boston. And uh, Yeah, the place was awesome. Dorchester Art Space. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Uh, it was basically what I'm describing. It was on like, the upstairs of the building. And everyone there was like super excited about having it. It reminded me of uh, transitions a little bit. It was that feeling of like awesome you can come to for shows, and as you're going in, you can learn about other shows coming up, and you don't just have to know the right people. You can just go to whatever show they have coming up. So I always get that kind of cool feeling whenever we go to places that remind me of how tra- transitions used to be. You talking about the flyers at transitions definitely reminds me of this old venue used to be in Corona called showcase and they used to have um, like you would walk in and on the right side if I remember correctly um, there would just be like a wall of flyers for like all the upcoming shows and I I never knew if it was um, like like encouraged by the staff or not but like people would just rip the flyers off and just take it home just because um like they were either stoked on the lineup or they just wanted to take it as a reminder so it it was cool to kind of get there at the beginning of the show and see the wall full of flyers but then like on the way out you just kind of see these holes where flyers used to be because um just on the way out people would just like snatch them and take them and i always used to do that like i would um like for the shows that i wanted to go to and the the shows that i was also excited to like have like a part of like that history like i would just love trying to like rip it off the wall as nice as i could and just like you know take it home and not bend it and just like try to save it forever yeah yeah pretty much same story man i think it's cool to have a physical flyer to kind of remind you of the show and everything i also think it's a super effective way to actually remind people about shows because you can post something online but someone is probably going to either forget about it or they've seen it you know a big thing that i feel like a lot of people run into is they're like Oh, I've seen this flyer a hundred times. Like I'm so sick of seeing this flyer. Like it always discourages you going from the show when you see a hundred people resharing some flyer and it feels like they're all in on some show because they're like adding stuff to the flyer. Like it's fine. It's a good way to spread the word about a show, but uh, I, I just definitely like the idea of having an actual paper flyer in my room and not have to like participate in some weird social game of who's coming to the show or not. You know, just go to the show. <laughs> Yeah, I, I used to, there was, uh, well, the, the, the venue is still there. There's a skate shop in Fullerton. And for some shows, they, they would do like paper flyers and, um, for my corporate job, I used to work around the um, work around the corner from programs. So after work, I would um, stroll in there and I'd always try to get like a physical copy of the flyer of the show that I was going to just because I, I thought it was cool that people still printed out flyers just because it's not too common these days out here to see that kind of stuff. So the fact that somebody who took the effort to go that extra step to print out the flyers, like I just wanted to have it and like I would just like put it in like the dashboard of my car. So like whenever people would walk by, they would see it. It was just like kind of like my way to help spread the word. Yeah, a couple of people have been have uh, done that here too. Even like to remember the show. Like I know the last time that like Foundation played in Tampa and uh, Breakdown played here like, for the first time in forever. And a couple of different people on the scene were like put together flyers before the show and then had like big, uh, big 
poster type uh, flyers that you could frame for afterwards. So. AXP. Yeah, I think Amber and uh, Ashley both did that. I know yeah. Amber did one of them. So yeah, I think she did the foundation one. Yeah, that's awesome. Hell yeah. I definitely like those um, like extra pieces of merch, like outside of like, you know, like articles of clothing, just like things that you can just like kind of have as like memorabilia of the shows. I think that's pretty cool. Definitely. Well, I definitely like what you guys are doing for your guys to scene. Uh, like after I listened to commitment, I felt stupid. I was like, how do I not like have you guys flown under my radar? So I, I, I did my job. I went back, listened to undefeated. I watched your guys' live set from FYA last year. And then you guys played a show, um, in Syracuse, which I thought was like pretty awesome. Uh, awesome I, show. Yeah, amazing the, show, dude. The guy who filmed that, just like shout a, out Amy, honestly. Okay, Amy shout put Amy. that show together, and yeah, she was. It was uh, probably one of the best ones on the tour. It was really cool. A lot of young kids came out too, which was which was really sick to see. Yeah, and whoever filmed it, like I, I'm not even sure what he filmed it on, or if it was just like the lighting of the room, like just the video is just so awesome to oh, watch. Beautiful high it, quality. Dude, it isn't like 2080k vid. Yeah, it's so sick. And like, and I'm a fan of um, the lights being on at a show because sometimes it gets like too yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, dude. I, yeah, yeah. That was one of the things like I've only, like I said, I've only booked a couple shows here, but that's one of the, the things that I love to see. It's like the biggest part about hardcore, man. Like if you look at like any shows, it's like a lot of shows, man, back in the day were in just halls, you know, just random halls. Like, turn the lights on, man. We're not superstars or nothing like that. Just put put the lights on. People want to see. Yeah, I, I feel like, too. yeah, I, it's just, like, my favorite, like, type of environment. Yeah, because sometimes it just gets, like, too dark. And I'm, like, like, for me, like, I don't have the best vision. Like, I wear glasses. So sometimes it gets, like, a little harder for me to see things, like, when it's, like, not the best lighting. So that's why I prefer the lights on and just everything be clear. We can see each other. And it's just great. I think 100%. it's better. 100%. It's not, you know, it's not, like, a crazy show or anything. It's a hardcore show, man. It should be 10 bucks, whatever. Put the lights on. Done by 10 o'clock. Everyone get on their way. <laughs> as early as possible. Dude. Literally. I'm my 45-year-old brain wanting to go to sleep. It pisses me off when I get to a show and it's like running like an hour late. Like there's times where like I've gotten to the show at seven because the flyer says seven and literally everybody's just hanging out in the parking lot because, um, you know, whoever has like the backline equipment hasn't shown up yet. And then it runs like an hour late. And I'm just like, just definitely ruins like my vibe just because I'm kind of, I, I, work really early in the morning so i don't like to be out too late so sometimes when things run like super late like I'll, like i just have to leave so like i'll just leave like mid show uh, yeah that sucks but i know exactly what you're talking about i mean that's that's the worst gotta be at the desk man gotta be at the desk gotta have the cup of joe ready at you know 7 30 a.m i feel you yeah i i gotta you know gotta be corporate for you know for part of my day just so I'm able to do other things for now. Thousand percent. There's nothing wrong with being corporate, bro. I know. Um, it, it, yeah. It, 
I got, I don't talk about it too much, but it definitely like enables me to do a lot of the things that I want to do. So shout out to um, my corporate job. Don't hate it. <laughs> Dude, corporate job is what's up. <laughs> let's go salary life. <laughs> you take the money. Yeah, you take the money as long as you keep it separate. You know, you take the money from the corporate job and then you put it into the to the hardcore reality of your life. You know. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing though. Like. Us corp, like us corporate people, got to stick together, man. If we're gonna like be corporate, gotta at least pay for the shows, man. Like everyone listening out there, pay for the show. That's how you keep the shows going. Yeah, ten bucks. You're not gonna die over ten dollars. Come on. Yeah, skip getting your Starbucks and save it for the show. Literally, I don't understand that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's. Um, kind of corny um people like asking to get in for free when it's just like dude you got to support this if you want to keep it going like it's not the end of the world yeah for sure it's uh definitely not the worst ticket price here's my here's my uh um, mastermind advice for anyone that wants to get into a show for free book the show yourself (laughs) do you want to get into a show for free Book it yourself. Then you can you let as many people in for free as you want. There wow. you go, and you'll lose all the money too. Wow! Wow! My brain's just exploding. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> or if you need money for the show, go around the corner, find your local crackhead, ask him for some money because we know he has it. Get the money, pay him back at the end of the show. You, can, you guys can make it within two hours. Let's go. You know, uh, I actually saw something pretty interesting on uh, Twitter the other day. I'm not sure who it was, but um, it was some girl who I guess she like book shows and she kind of floated the idea of like paying for like a bulk of shows for like a cheaper price. Like I, th- I think it was like four shows for the price of three versus paying you know the full price at every show. And I just thought that was like pretty interesting. I was like, Oh, I've never even thought of like anybody trying to do like deals for like hardcore shows. So like, I'm like, yeah, my, uh, our, our, one of the, you know, guys who has been doing it for a long time, uh, significant record, Tom, uh, he actually used to do that when there was like a ton, a ton of shows happening. He'd call it the golden ticket. Actually thought it was kind of cool idea. Do you remember how it would work? He literally, like, for a full year, you pay, like, a lump sum, which is cheap. Like, it's only this, the amount of, like, 10 shows, but they all used to happen at transitions. So then, like, you'd be good on all of his shows for the whole year. So he could do 10 shows, or he could do, like, 30 shows, and you only paid for 10 of them. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I wouldn't mind that if it made sense if, like, they were consistent. Yeah. I'm on the uh, I'm on the other end of the table on that argument. I think that that's uh, stupid. Everyone <laughs> 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 should just pay for the shows, and uh, I think that that qualifies as pre-sales. And hardcore shows shouldn't have pre-sales. So. Oh wow! So she, she just pre-sale. she disguised the the pre-sale is a good deal. Damn! See, even got my corporate ass, bro. I wouldn't even thought of that. Wow! We almost bought pre-sale to this girl's string of shows. Damn, easy to get me, dude. I'm 45. I fall for anything. 
Okay. Well, yeah, and I I really wish I remembered what her Twitter handle was. And that's like the one thing I hate about Twitter is that um, because of who I follow, like the things they like or whatever will like end up in my feed. And I'm just like, who is this? And I have to realize like, oh, like this is in my feed because of somebody else, not because of like, you know, me choosing to follow this person. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's cool that she's booking shows, though. It sounds like that's part of fine. But I probably would not vibe with the pre-sale lifestyle. But each their own. You know, if it gets people to the show, so be it. Hey, the, I guess the hope would be that... I know the thing with, like, Tom, whenever he would do it here in Tampa, is, like, the idea is that you pay for this ticket to get into every show all year, and then now you're like, well, I don't have any reason to not go to the show. So then that's like yeah. 10 extra people that are kind of always at the show because it's like, oh, nothing better to do. Like if I don't have money, you know, say the show comes up and you're not like particularly trying to go, but there's nothing else really going on that night and you don't have a lot of cash. It's like, oh, I can just go to this event that I know I'll at least somewhat enjoy that my friends will be at and I can go for free, you know, quote unquote free. So I get the concept of it. It's a, it's a novel idea, but I'm anti pre-sale. You got to pay at the door, man. Cash only. <laughs> Damn. No PayPal. Cash no, only cash. No Venmo. No cash. I don't, even, I don't even have that. Cash <laughs> is king. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I definitely back that. I, it, I think it's nice sometimes when bands would accept my PayPal or Venmo for merch, but I, I definitely understand why you'd want cash uh, for people to get into the show. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. Um, it definitely means a lot to me. I, I'm happy that um, we were able to get this done because after last weekend, I was really bummed that I didn't have you guys on. So I'm just happy that we were able to get it done this week. Yeah, I knew, I knew it. it would work thank out. Thank you, for, thank you for having us. Yeah, and before we go, is there anything you, you guys would like to shout out? Yeah, a thousand percent, dude. Travis Scott, if you're listening to me, fuck you. Why? <laughs> Dude, I mean, like, as annoying as this sounds as, like, a typical hardcore kid or whatever, I mean, I've been collecting shoes for since, like, 2003 now. Okay. Um, yeah, but he dropped some, some shoes yesterday, and he's been mad sketchy about it. He made us all look like clowns waiting online in the 1230 in the morning nonsense just give everyone the fucking shoe all right so there it is travis scott if you're listening um i, I hope you get this message yeah straight up yeah hey while, while we're at it name goes to sean watherspoon man i haven't let it go <laughs> oh my He's god you're saying oh there's gonna be plenty of shoes there's not gonna be any problems waited for hours outside of the store five nonsense, pairs of, not dude. even five pairs of shoes are sold and then oh they're all gone oh uh, yeah right no. man yeah big, nonsense big for these guys thing. listen man i'm tired of it. i'm gonna tell you right now anyone who's listening to this we shouldn't even be wasting our time on this get you a pair of something that no one cares about a pair of air jordan 5 black and red that's all you need right there ladies and gentlemen don't waste your time on all these 800 dollars shoes nonsense buy a pair of 190 no one cares about it. You'll be fly at the show, and they're metallic. It's sick. You can also get uh, some Onitsuka Tigers. You can get some uh, vegan Taconis. And uh, what's the other one that I wear all the time, Jose? Uh, oh, the Safaris, the Presto. Yeah, Prestos. 
all three great vegan sneakers for like a hundred bucks. I think the Prestos are two hundred. That's the way to go, yeah. man. Yeah. Or yeah. or just go with the regular man, like New Balance nine nineties. I've been wearing them for a long time now. At this point. Yeah, I great. think those They're... are good to go. I think most New Balances are are fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't expect to. And then everybody. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, uh, last thing here. So go I'm ahead. Sorry to interrupt, Jamie. You're fine. Yeah, for everyone who's listening, that is straight edge. Stay straight edge. Oh yeah, that too. I guess. Okay. Well, <laughs> there you guys have it. <laughs> I appreciate you guys coming on. I love uh, all the bands um, doing awesome things in Florida. I can't wait to get out there in January and meet you guys in person and finally be able to yeah, see Point of Contact live. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. And yeah, we'll see you awesome. at uh, FYA day one. Thank you. Yes, day one. And thank all of you for listening to another episode of the Jamie Rickey podcast. Always on top. <laughs> <laughs>